Welcome to Tax Breaks, the Moody's Tax Podcast, where you find informed discussions, lively debate, and sometimes a little lighthearted fun around tax issues in Canada, the United States, and around the world. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm the CEO of Moody's Private Client, Moody's Tax. I'm here with my trusty colleague, Kenneth Kung. <laughs> Kenneth Kung. <laughs> Kenneth uh, uh, is one of the smartest guys I know. Uh, bright, bright tax guy. And Kenneth, I thought today uh, we would um, just chat briefly about you know, a common issue, kind of a takeoff from the blog that we did a week ago mm-hmm. uh, on the Bruce Jackman case, you know, are all marketing, are pleasurable marketing activities a taxable benefit? Um, you know, a logical takeoff from that podcast is, um, you know, personal use assets owned by a corporation, um, and personal expenses deducted by a corporation, uh, those are very, very common issues that we routinely trip across in our practice. Yes. And so I thought we'd talk about that today. Uh, you ready to ready to go? Always ready. Always ready. So before we get going, just a, an update uh, from our last podcast. If, if listeners haven't uh, listened to it, I would encourage you to go back and take a look at that podcast. Uh, we... Uh, Kenneth and I chatted about an interesting Tax Court of Canada decision called Bruce and Nancy Jackman um, that dealt with the deduction of certain personal expenses and then whether or not there's a taxable benefit um, associated with the ownership of a boat by the corporation used in their marina business. And interesting that... uh, uh, the taxpayer uh, listened to our podcast, Kenneth. And mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> got, got a phone call from Mr. Jackman, and I, I got to tell you, I had a really good conversation with him, and uh, got some background on on uh, more background on on the decision. And anyhow, it's it's a it's a real treat when you know when you and I and others in the firm you know write or speak or or do podcasts like this, and it it uh, gets in the hands uh, in this small world of people and you know you get closer connected so anyhow I just thought I'd mention that if Mr. Jackman is listening uh, you know thanks for your time and and uh, always always a pleasure to chat with people who are uh, affected by our contributions so Kenneth let's get to the topic of the day personal use assets owned by a corporation yeah common issue isn't it it is it is it's you know as the we blogged about before uh, it's been a while since we blogged about it. 2009, we wrote about it, and then 2011, we wrote as well. And if our listeners want to just search on our blog site, you'll find it. Uh, but it's a common issue, and as I wrote about it in 2009, 2011, it routinely comes up um, in cocktail parties or <laughs> where people are bragging about their beautiful tax planning, where you know the, their advisors or their friends said, "Hey." You know, I'm going to buy a cottage as an example. And I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit here, Kenneth, but I'm not far off in terms of how we find these things. But, um, you know, they they had some money and they want to buy a cottage as an example or a boat. And there's some money sitting inside their company. So often because they, their business uh, was it is inside companies and they earn that money inside the corporation and pay corporate income tax. Yep. And so instead of taking the money out and paying personal tax, either by way of a salary or a dividend or what have you, 
um, they'll buy the asset directly in the company and avoid personal tax. Now, if it was that easy, everybody and their dog would do that, wouldn't they, Kenneth? Mm -hmm. Yes, they would. <laughs> and, and sometimes I've also seen situations where they, there is personal money, but they still put the money inside a company to buy the property, thinking that it somehow gives a better result or, or better asset protection. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And it's still a personal use property. That's a good point. So let's just establish right up front that that's not a good idea. And we're going to get into the reasons why here. But if you do... Uh, you know, if you do think that's a good idea um, and you don't want to listen to the rest of the podcast, let's just say that it is a horrible idea to do something like that and don't ever do it. And don't ever accept advice from anybody that thinks that it is a good idea. But before we go further, Kenneth, you know, the, the, the issue is what is a personal use asset? Hmm. You know, that's, that's the foundational issue. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? I mean, things like cottages and boats and you know, pleasure crafts or motorcycles or, you know, luxury automobiles. Is it a black and white issue as to whether or not those assets acquired by a corporation are personal use assets? Often not black and white. Right. Like uh, on the extreme of the spectrum, it could be like if, if the property is only used by you and your family, then yes, for sure, it is personal use. Absolutely. And the other end of the spectrum is it is almost completely rented out uh, to third parties, right? So Except for a day or two, maybe. Yeah, so let, let's let's illustrate that a little bit. So let's say I decide it's a brilliant move to, you know, take one of my companies and and I'm going to buy a cottage. Mm -hmm. And I like a cottage in Whistler, BC. So I'm going to buy a property there and, and uh, I pay $2 million. I don't even know if that's a reasonable price, but let's just say $2 million for a cottage in, in Whistler. It would pretty run down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With yep. real estate prices these days, you're probably right. But So I pay $2 million uh, and use the, the company's assets, cash. Um, and then I decide that, hmm, boy, the carrying costs on this thing are, are pretty high, so why don't we list it on Airbnb and we'll get it all ready you know, to rent it out. And so... You know, so I list it and it's pretty successful and, you know, I have, let's say, 300, um, 300 nights that it's rented out. Is that a personal use property at that point, Kenneth? Well, and, and, we'll, and we'll obviously mm -hmm. ratchet the days back as we yeah. go into this example. So, so yeah. 300 days of, uh, out of the year. I, and then what, and let me ask you, what, what do you do with the rest of those days? Let's say I'm, I'm there. Okay. I'm either there or it's vacant. All right. I would say in this case, you would have a good argument uh, against a CRA auditor that as long as you you pay some you know, the same Airbnb market rate to your company for your personal use, this you can probably get away with saying this is not a personal use property. Yeah, I don't disagree. Now, obviously, in this case, it's let's just say 65 days, using my silly example, 65 days is either personal use or vacant. And we'll get into the more detailed mechanisms uh, with respect to the quantification um, because you said as long as I pay the Airbnb rate, which in this example, if it's not a personal use asset because it's 300 days out of the, out of the calendar year, maybe that Airbnb rate is the right rate mm -hmm. and the right amount. So now let's go to... Let's say I rent it out for half the year, so 183 days. 
Now, Kenneth, is it getting a little more gray as opposed to black and white? It is getting a bit more gray, and you you probably need to look into, hey, are you just are you are you renting it out on all the high season to maximize profitability, or are you using it for yourself for the, all those uh, like you know holiday summers or, or Christmas holidays, and you're only renting it out on low season that you're not using it anyways. Uh, Still, it's quite gray at this point. So, I agree with you. It's gray, and so is there going to be some sort of personal use benefit? Let's say I'm there for four months of the year, and um, and the other two are vacant, and then the other six months, like I said, is rented out. Now it's starting to become a little more difficult in terms of is the Airbnb rate the right rate that I should be charging myself for those four months that mm-hmm. I'm there. But let's move on uh, because we don't have a perfect answer in terms of what that rate is. But let's take it to the other other end of the spectrum and, and extreme. Let's say I only rent it out for two weeks of the year. <laughs> right. and, and I'm there, you know, a good chunk of the time. Let's say it's um, six months of the year and the rest it's vacant. Um, now, what do you think, Kenneth? Oh, yeah. This is this, – this property – is primarily used for your own personal use. Right. And, for sure. And it would meet the definition of, um, you know, a personal use property at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, if you have a corporation that owns a personal use property, is the fair market value rent the appropriate way to calculate the benefit that I've received? If, let's say, I'm there for, um, you know, the the... the you know, the, let's say it, it, let's say I'm there for uh, 30 days, and it's vacant for the rest, and I rented it for 30 days. So it's using my silly example: 10 months of the year, it's vacant. Mm-hmm. Am I only going to pay 30 days Airbnb rent? Hmm. Well, so this issue has been debated in front of uh, the courts, right? And and I think rightfully so. The court says that, no, you can't just pay the 30 days fair market value rent for the days you used it. You used it. The the corporation was keeping the house vacant for you for 11 months of the year, available for your use at any time. And the right, in that case, the right result probably is, well, not probably, in that, in that court case, it was found that the right result should be the, the shareholder should be paying the normal rate of return um, on that property because if that corporation has not purchased it, this property to make available to the shareholder to use, it would have invested that money either in its business, normal business, or you know, at least the, the normal investments. Okay, so let's take that to a practical example uh, or using the current example. So... My company paid $2 million for that Whistler condo. And I've used it for 30 days. I've rented it for 30 days, and it's vacant for 10 months, like I said. Um, now, let's say that you know the company has held it for a couple of years, and it's really increased in value. So let's say the value of that property is now $5 million. How do I, how do I quantify, based upon that court decision, which, by the way, is a case called Youngman, Federal Court of Appeal decision, and there's a couple of other decisions called Fingold and Donovan, and there's another one, Arpeg, and 
but let's just say that the CRA um, has latched on to these decisions, rightfully so. So how do you quantify that using my the example today? $5 million value, uh, $2 million cost. Mm-hmm. Right. So keep in mind, the corporation, of course, can sell the property for $5 million today and invest that money. But instead, it is choosing to keep the risk of the property so that you can use it. Right. So it... So the CRA's published view on this is that uh, the the shareholder should be paying a normal rate of return based on the greater of the cost of fair market value of the property and a plus on top of that, the operating cost associated with the property. Okay, so sorry, let's stop there. So the greater of the cost or the fair market value. Yes. So in this case... I've got to compute a benefit based upon the greater of $2 million, which is the cost, or the fair market value of $5 million. Right. Now, okay, so the greater of that is $5 million. Yes. So what am I doing with that $5 million? Huh. Well, what, then you need to determine what is, your, what is this corporation's normal rate of return. Ah, so let's say I'm in the tax business. You know, tax mm. advisors don't make a lot of money, can they? <laughs> <laughs> so let's say my normal rate of return is... on invested capital, which of course, realistically, it's going to be higher than that. But let's just say 5%. That's low. But now what? Then then that could be your normal rate of return. Although if I'm advocating on on your behalf, I would say that this is not not really a business where you can just plow money and expand the business whenever you like. Right. And the most likely course of action would be you were just going to, if you are not buying the cottage, you would be investing in the markets. And then you would point to, hey, the market return maybe 4%, right, in the year. And then I would argue saying the normal rate of return should be 4%, right. multiplied by 5 million. But, it, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a question of fact, and yeah. somebody's going to have to decide what that rate of return is, and hopefully it's not a judge, mm-hmm. um, right? Because you, you, if it's in front of a judge, the judge can only make the decisions based upon the factors that are presented to him or her, right? Mm-hmm. So, so... Let's say it is 5%. Are you telling me, Kenneth, that I have to include in my personal income 5% of $5 million, which is, if I'm doing math correctly, $250,000 in a taxation year? Is that what you're saying? If you don't pay any rent to the corporation, yes. And not only that, plus the operating cost of the property, so insurance, property tax, repairs, utilities, all that, you would need to include in your income just Either that or you pay that amount to the corporation as imputed rent. So every year? Every year. And is every year potentially a different rate of return? Yes, every year could potentially be a different rate of return depending on the facts. Wow. So realistically, a lot of entrepreneurs you know, <laughs> wouldn't be satisfied with a 5% rate of return on invested capital. Mm-hmm. So... You know, let's pick some realistic numbers. Let's say the rate of return is somewhere in the 10 to 20% range. Are you saying that in a worst-case scenario, it could be, say, 20% on $5 million every single year? Wow. On a worst-case scenario, yes, but I... Obviously, we're going to argue. Yeah, we we're going to argue no, but but yes, on a worst-case scenario, sure. I, don't, I haven't seen a lot of guidance on what normal rate of return is. They always just say it's based on facts. Right, so. which it is, right? It is a question of fact, but... 
you know, the, I, I say that 20% just to get the attention of the listeners, right? Because if your rate of return it normally is quite high, then your risk is high, higher, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you're, and so what's our overall message here, Kenneth, on personal use assets owned by a corp? Going back to my original caveat that if you don't want to listen to us, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, what's the message? Yeah, don't, don't do it <laughs> unless you are going to be, unless you're very sure that this is really going to be rented out to third parties substantially all of the time or used for a business purpose substantially all of the time. So in other words, in plain English, if you are very confident that you can make the case that this is not a personal use asset owned by a corporation based upon the facts, then fine, right? Mm-hmm. But hopefully we've illustrated the grayness that can happen, right? Yep. Going all the way to the extreme of 300 days, rented out, down to 183 days, down to 30 days. This is not a black and white issue. So um, so why don't we leave the listeners with, with that message overall? And switch gears for the last part of the podcast here to talk about a similar issue, but not identical. Um, and, you know, the deduction of personal expenses mm. by a corporation. Um, you know, we see this routinely, you know, uh, or I'll have people talk to me and, and uh, say to me, Hey, Kim, I'm going on a cruise uh, or I'm going on a, uh, you know, European holiday and you know, bring in the family who are directors of the company or officers of the company, and we're going to be holding a board meeting while we're in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can deduct, you know, a proportion of that as, you know, the overall cost, right? Because we're having a board meeting in Italy. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of stuff like that, Kenneth? <laughs> well, is there a good business? Well, first, is there a good business reason for this to be in Italy? Likely not. Um and I think the CRA auditor will rightfully challenge that expense and say that you that 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 business that that board meeting could have been in your home in in Canada, yeah, and deny the whole thing in that case. Here's what I always say with that: You want to get cute? You know the old saying: Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. I think stuff like that is in the hogs get slaughtered category. And the more egregious you, positions you take on stuff like that, the more angry a CRE auditor and potentially a judge could be with you. You know, does that venture into um, tax evasion, mm-hmm. um, which you don't want to venture into tax evasion because that's criminal. That can put you, you know, behind bars. Um, so if you're going to somehow get cute with expense deductions, then make bloody sure that you at least have a rebuttable position that it is a legitimate business expense. The old, you know, we're holding board meetings overseas or on a vacation, you know, so we can deduct the expensive meals and part of our travel costs. That, that just doesn't fly in my view. Um, and I don't know. What do you think, Kenneth? Yeah. As opposed to like a legit business reason for a trip in Europe, maybe if your business have multiple European clients or European suppliers, and you are actually going to meet them in, say, several days out of your seven or eight days trip, then I would say it is legit to deduct a portion um, of your own uh, per, uh, vacation expense. 
not your family, not your children, not your kids uh, uh, or spouse, because you are the only one meeting uh, with, with those clients or suppliers. Yeah. So, you know, the same thing uh, can apply to, you know, over the years I've seen, you know, some people deduct, you know, maintenance costs on their homes, uh, you know, grass cutting and fertilizing contracts for their homes, um, uh, you know, repairs of roofs on their homes, um, travel is a common one, as, as I've already said. Uh, so just, you know, automobile expenses are, are notoriously um, common as well. So be very, very careful with that kind of stuff uh, because I'll repeat myself, you know, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered and in the tax world, you just don't want to be slaughtered. Um, anything more that we want to say about this, Kenneth? I think we've kind of got our message across. Yeah, just be careful. Just be careful, yeah. All right, as usual, thank you, Kenneth. Really appreciate your wisdom and uh, um, have a great summer uh, to our podcast listeners. Thank you, everyone. Bye now.